News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 179 of the Luke Messias Show. I am joined by my friend and a conservative ally here in Texas, Robert Montoya, who um, seems to have a very strange obsession with China based on his recent reporting. And so I have asked him to come on our show and talk about the four different pieces he's already done. I don't know when he's going to, how long he's going to write on China. I mean, it's just been prolific with uh, the work that he's been doing in uh, conjunction with other people here at Texas Scorecard who have been uh, bringing information together and reporting on a lot of stuff going on. So there are now four pieces at Texas Scorecard written on China. Robert, why don't you just kind of give us um, a background of, of when you started digging into this and what is what are some of the top takeaways you've had so far? So the investigative department, we've been investigating uh, CCP infiltration in the state of Texas for a couple of months now. And we are looking at four areas. We're looking at education, which you mentioned that's the four-part series that came out this week, mm-hmm. uh, written and that project was spearheaded by our wonderful research fellow, Kristen Stanchu. Yep. We're also looking at uh, land, land purchases by the CCP in Texas, uh, commerce, and also their influence in our political system. So that's kind of like the big picture. Now, when it comes to education, we found that obviously you know, the CCP wants to infiltrate a lot of the West. We found they were successful in infiltrating Texas education apparatus. Give me some of the top takeaways. The first story was written, it, it said, Communist China in Texas, a Confucius Institutes. So can you tell us some of the top takeaways that people are going to have from that 10-minute article? Sure, yes. So what that goes over is the marketing strategy of the CCP. Um, as you know, a lot of universities, I you know, I went to one, they have you know study abroad programs and also you know language programs, things, education about foreign cultures. The CCP decided that the way they're going to try and infiltrate the universities and our public schools was I presenting a program that says it's about exporting Chinese language and culture. Um, the first way that they target the universities was through something called Confucius Institutes. Mm. They also targeted our public education system, K through 12, through what's called Confucius Classrooms. Mm. Through this, they exposed our education network to CCP money, indoctrination materials, and they also uh, create relationships between universities we have here and those in China that the Australian Strategic Policy Institute found ranged from threat levels of low to high. So you basically have situations where when when China comes in, one of the things they seem to be pretty smart about is they understand that uh, money talks within just yes. general the, – the, all of the institutions that we have in our nation, uh, they're heavily influenced by finances. So they don't just show up and say, hey, we have – these programs and classes that you can teach in your K through 12 school or in your college, they usually bring some type of financial benefit to people using their materials to indoctrinate. Oh, yes. Students. I mean, with a lot of these programs we found, be at Texas Southern University, Texas A&M, even the Houston Independent School District, um, they would present these programs and say, if you sign on, we will help fund these programs and we would find you know all this cash flowing into mm-hmm. our education system. I found ironic because if you listen to public school uh, today, when, every time they go to the legislature, they always say, we don't have enough money. Yet, yep. here's another source of funding for them. So, give me what seems to be their goal. You, you talk about them kind of exporting um, these different ideas into the system. What are the type of 
What's the type of information that students are going to encounter on some of these programs? Well, it's interesting. I'll just let the Chinese speak for themselves. Um, when they talk about Confucian Institutes, they talk about it as a way to grow the CCP's influence around the world. Hmm. For example, one of the reasons that they said they want to do this was to counter issuers like um, Taiwan. You know, Taiwan's become a very big issue right now, mm -hmm. and America has a promise to defend Taiwan. Well, probably one of the reasons they're doing this is they said, we need to counter the favorability of Taiwan hmm. in America. So through these educational programs, they start saying, you know, pushing the one China policy. That was one big thing in these agreements, memory, uh, these understandings or agreements they would make with our education institutions. They would say, with one institution in particular, it said, you have to respect the one China policy in your conversations. Hmm. Yeah, so they're basically being able to dictate the type of information that we give this, you know, it is actual indoctrination, which I feel like CCP is pretty familiar with because it's kind of how they run their country. But they understand, hey, if we can capture in a classroom environment uh, the ability to force feed these students, these very susceptible students to this idea that the of the one China policy that runs counter to literally the national foreign policy interests of the United States of America. Then we – I mean this is kind of what I complain about constantly. I feel like this is why as I was looking through the different pieces, I felt like this was just exposing this same problem we have. You know, in, in Texas education institutions, we have you know teachers talking to three, four-year-old, five-year-olds about sexual intercourse and all sorts of different uh, facets and understanding. Really like – more like LGBT sexually deviant ideas. And then you have the transgender stuff that's continuing to permeate uh, our conversations. You have other Marxist ideas that are getting forced into these students' brains. And one of the things we've recognized just from a large perspective on the direction of Texas is that as we are importing these different people from out of state, California, Washington, other places that are moving here, New York, hey, I want to get out of here. I'm going to Texas. The good news for us is that Let's say 60% of the time, that person's probably a Republican, probably pretty right of center, maybe even more radicalized by like the things they've seen around them. So they show up and they're like, I'm ready to fight for freedom, America, right, right. Texas. And then we have this other problem where you go, well, why is Beto O'Rourke like within five points of Governor Abbott? And you go, well, the people that are voting for him are young people who were raised in Texas. Now, what did I just say in that sentence? What I said was, the people that are voting for Beto are people that were largely indoctrinated by our own education institutions that we funded. So this is a, a larger problem. But to me, you have China coming in and saying, hey, these people seem completely content indoctrinating their kids. So it's not that hard to show up to these school boards, to the superintendents, the teachers and say, hey, just throw in a little bit of this. And oh, by the way, you're going to get some money along with it. They're like, Sweet. It doesn't really run counter to the agenda that the education institution already has. Yeah, it does run counter to one thing that we often hear from these um, public school officials. You know, every time, you know, the grassroots lobby the Texas state legislature to take action on some of the various matters you're talking about, they preach often about, well, local control. We'd mm -hmm. have local control. Yet here they are, seem to have no problem with Beijing control mm -hmm. and influence. Yep. Um, and you mentioned another thing about how you know, we have people moving from across nation into our state. Another part of these programs is that China would promise to send uh, some of their own educators to help facilitate mm. these classes. And you know, because they're connected to the CCP, we're not talking about race, we're talking about the politics and the security situation. This raises questions of 
what kind of security risks mm. do these individuals pose to us? Mm. What are they gathering from within our school systems? Mm. What are they sending back to Beijing? I remember having a conversation with uh, just somebody I know who works in in internal security for a university. And we were having a conversation. I said, so what do you spend most of your time doing? I mean, is this like, you know, watching after kids who are at a party or whatever? He said, no, I'm mostly focused on trying to prevent China from stealing our intellectual property. That's mm -hmm. what they're really obsessed with doing. And you have more and more people trying to find ways of getting into the university system and then using their access there to get CCP as much uh, intellectual property as possible. He said, it is a major problem. It's probably the number one issue that universities deal with. You've laid out here uh, one way in which they, the doors are being opened for them and they're being invited in, even though we know this, even though there's no doubt that you have many conversations with people in the university system that will admit we're constantly having to look over our back. And you right. go, well, you're kind of inviting them in and then having to watch them pretty closely. What is some of the reactions? Have you gotten any reactions from school board members, from elected officials here in Texas? What are some of the things that have been said as a result of some of these reports? Well, uh, obviously, we uh, spoke today with State Representative James White, who's the chair of the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee. And um, he wasn't surprised. I mean, he went to Houston ISD. He wasn't surprised. He has great respect for uh, strategic and tactical abilities of the CCP. But we are seeing a uh, reaction across the board. Like, for example, it's become very uh, well publicized while the report that Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida is taking actions against these Confucius Institutes. Hmm. As part of our investigation, we found out that there has been pushback, but the CCP has already been adjusting to that. Mm. Um, so now what you're seeing is a lot of these a lot of these Confucian institutes have reportedly been closed, but at the university level, they're being rebranded as con Chinese institutes. <laughs> and at the public school level, we're seeing a you know, public, number of public schools creating networks to keep their Confucius classrooms alive, working with third parties that are friendly to the CCP. So, Can you give me an example there? Sure. So let's go to right now Northeast Independent School District in San Antonio. Uh, they govern what's called the International School of the Americas. Now, ISA sought to establish themselves in independent Confucius classroom. And according to email ex exchanges that we obtained through open records requests, the ISA contacted what's called the Chinese International Education Foundation in order to connect with a univer partner university in China. Now, as recently as March of this year, the ISA has been searching for partner universities with the help of CIEF and another organization called the International Education Association Shanghai. According to these communications, quote, after the IEAS finds a partner school according to its need, the relevant parties can soon move on to the signing of the agreement and get the cooperation going. Hmm. So clearly, even though Confucius class, there's a, Period transition, Confucius classrooms are alive and well. Yeah, and they know how to get in regardless of what name it's called. Yeah, it's just rebranding efforts. That's all. So, so when it comes to uh, the rebranding, I kind of put that akin to like the Genesis Clinic in Texas. We had the mm -hmm. transgender clinic who, you know, gets widely reported like, oh, the Genesis Clinic is closing. And then you read the announcement and you're like, no, they're changing their name so they can keep transitioning, you know, hundreds, thousands of kids. Um, are what, what when the research department started trying to get to the bottom, what, what were school districts' general reaction to the request of information? 
So a number um, would request, you know, clarifications of the open records requests we sent. And some charged money, others didn't, others just gave us information. But a number, I believe it's right now, we're at number three, be it a independent school district and also a university, have appealed to the Attorney General of Texas to withhold this information, mm. which we find very fascinating. Why in the world is maximum – I always wonder why is there not maximum transparency in government? But what about this? What are they hiding? And, you know, it, it could, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, when it comes to government officials, they hide when they don't need to hide. But the very fact they're trying to hide raises more suspicion about what is in these documents that we are asking for. What is it? What is happening in our classrooms? What have you allowed and tolerated? Uh, I think our average listener probably doesn't quite understand exactly how the Public Information um, Act works. And so I think it's kind of interesting to give them a little bit of an insight into how this process develops. So basically, you have government institutions, K through 12, public universities, you know, public elected officials, their offices, government departments. And so they're all under the Public Information Act, which means that if you or I or anybody listening to this podcast sent in a request and said, according to the Public Information Act, I would like to know, I would like any information regarding the Confucius Institute at Clear Lake ISD, right. you know, Comal ISD, New Braunfels, okay, Northeast ISD, my ISD. Okay. So you go, I would like information. Then they are required by law to return that information to you to some extent, as long as it's seen as reasonable, right? And so if they might ask for clarification. That's one kind of tactic that a lot of uh, a governments use to delay the release and also try to give you less, right? Because it's like, hey, I don't know what you're looking for with Confucius Institutes. I mean, like, can you please be more specific? Can you make it clear? And so you have to further clarify. Your clarification might restrict the amount of information they have to give you, right? So they're kind of hoping. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, there's a timetable, though, right? When you submit a Public Information Act, what's the timetable in which they have to act? Uh, so once they, once we send it, they have 10 business days to respond. Now, respond can mean a number of things. It can mean delivering the documents or yep. it can be requesting clarification yep. or uh, sending an invoice. Yep. Um, so so you, you can wait. You'll sometimes have governments wait that ninth or tenth day and then they'll show up and go, oh, now we need some clarification, right? They didn't ask for clarification day two, three, four. It's like day 10. And then you got to reply. And then they got to say, oh, yep. well, looks like we're going to have to send you an invoice. Oh, that seems a little high. And they just go back and forth to delay the ultimate release of the information. Yeah, and uh, sometimes another tactic they use, and it depends on the situation, I, there are governments that just auto-appeal everything to the Attorney General. What that means is, to your point, if there is there are materials that that local government feels that should not be made public because of, they can argue, security concerns or yep. whatever else, they have the option of appealing to the Attorney General of Texas and saying, hey, we don't think we should have to release this. We're asking for your opinion on it. And based on your opinion, we'll decide what happens next. Mm -hmm. Now, those opinions can take a while. I'm yep. still waiting on opinions that are like months old for yep. the AG to rule on. Yep. And sometimes the attorney general will rule, rule in your favor. Sometimes they'll say, uh, no, local government, you can withhold everything. Or sometimes they split the baby. Like mm -hmm. some things you can withhold, other things give the rest to the person who requested it. Yeah. So. So the attorney general is – if they think there's a chance that maybe I can hold some of this information back, they'll go to the attorney general. They'll say, hey, can you please tell us how much of this we have to give or not give? And then Ken Paxton's office 
comes in and says, no, you got to release all this or give them some of this. I can understand. The interesting thing is that in this instance, you have universities and Houston ISD who don't want to give you information that other school districts have already given you. Mm-hmm. And you would assume that for the most part, whatever they give you is probably going to be largely in line with what you've already gotten from other school districts. Or is the assumption that maybe these these institutions, these schools are specifically even more engaged with CCP. And so they're trying to prevent some of that information from coming to light. Well, that's a problem. We don't know. I mean, yeah. it could be the very same. They could have less. But the fact that, <laughs> you know, yeah, the fact that you appeal raises the question. And I can't remember if it's Houston. I, perhaps Houston appealed. I you know, I don't have the entire list in front of me. But yeah, we've had a number of these guys appeal and it's like, why? I mean, there have been times, it's rare, there are times where a local government has appealed to the attorney general. The AG rules in our favor when I get the stuff, I'm going, this is nothing. Why did you waste everyone's time? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And for and there's no consequence to a government doing that. So a government saying, right. hey, we're going to take as long as possible and make this take six months and a lot of your focus and work to do, there's no negative consequence for them doing that. If the, if the attorney general rules... Basically, look, you're constantly using this to delay. It doesn't matter. They're like, so? All that is is a delay where we are still following the law and mm-hmm. getting you your information through the process. Yeah, there are criticisms that, and this could be enough more evidence that the Public Information Act needs to be upgraded for more teeth for citizens, especially now. I mean, we're talking about education right now. There are a lot of citizens who are very upset with what they've seen in their public schools. I can't imagine that they are happy to also hear that the CCP has also infested their school districts. This is the time where citizens probably want more transparency, and this makes the case that the PIA in Texas needs to be upgraded severely. I know uh, you mentioned that y'all have some other reporting on China coming out. And so uh, can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of some of the stuff that you're all looking into now? I can't give too much of a snapshot because, you know, some things, you know, as we are putting these together, there's always a chance we find that, like a police detective, we find that one bit of information disproves everything else. Yes. So I want to be very careful. But what I will say is Texans need to be on guard. It does appear to be that the CCP is going to be active in some way, shape, or form in the upcoming legislative session. And so you need to keep watch and maintain vigilance. Thank you so much, Mr. Montoya, for coming on today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless Texas.